0: Now, let's welcome today's guest, Han Apostolopoulos. Thank you for having me, Dan. It's good to be here. My pleasure. Great to have you here. Uh, You've written a book. You've co-written a book. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about the book. Thank you. Thank you
1: for the opportunity. Well, let's start with the book. I've co-authored the book, Seven Keys to Navigating a Crisis. It's a practical guide to dealing with pandemics and other disasters. And I co-authored it with a good friend and partner, writing partner of mine, Dr. Ilya Gurguris. Uh, if you can't tell, another fellow Greek. So normally, you know, when people get together, two Greeks get together, people say we opened a restaurant. In this case, we decided to write a book together, which was kind of an exception. Um, good book writing mind. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, it's interesting because to kind of lead into a little bit about my background from that piece, I'm a veteran of the human resources learning and development, organizational development space in many ways. I have uh, probably close to three decades experience in adult learning, change management and performance improvement. I've worked for large corporations, um, privately owned companies, and now most recently in the last nine years or so, I've had my own uh, boutique operation, my own boutique consulting firm named Fresh Biz Solutions. And in that capacity, I've been able to help a lot of my clients, a lot of the organizations and individuals that I serve, improve their performance, navigate change, and achieve the results that they want. And that's kind of became the launching point for my backstory, if you will, in many ways. Um, I started writing uh, on the encouragement of my good friend, Dr. Ilya. He encouraged me to start writing. I'd written a lot of uh, training materials, a lot of programs, a lot of professional documents, a lot of uh, communication pieces that were intended to be used inside a corporation, inside an organization. But since I went and uh, I opened up my own organization, my own consulting practice, it's a great opportunity now to start uh, directing that communication outward. And uh, he was already a successful author in his own own right. And he encouraged me to start uh, pursuing that a little bit more. So we started co-authoring Uh, on different uh, guest blogging, on different blogs, Ariana Huffington's uh, Thrive Global, and some of the Achievers blogs, some different professional HR-related blogs. And uh, I realized that I really enjoyed it. I realized that I had a message to share, and I realized that this was something that I actually enjoyed communicating beyond that. Um, When the pandemic hit, as it hit for all of us, uh, we kind of went into this, you know, great pause, And then trying to figure out what was next, what to do, uh, Ilya called me up and he says, you know, we got to write a book about this. we got to communicate this. And he says, are you in? And I said, absolutely. I said, let's do it. And uh, we sat down and basically put our heads together Uh, from my perspective, from a change leadership standpoint and how to manage this kind of massive change. Uh, From his perspective, he is a corporate wellness expert, positive psychology expert, and we figured that we had a very unique perspective and our combined thoughts uh, were potentially going to be able to help a lot of people. So we sat down and within literally 45 days from start to publish, uh, we got the book out and we were able to put something out there that over the course of time has helped a lot of people. Um, has been able to provide some very practical insights um, to individuals and now to business leaders on how to navigate this crisis or any crisis and how to get beyond that to the next normal.
0: Wow. Uh, I think you answered about seven questions I was about to ask you. (laughs) That's, That's fantastic. I have to think of other questions now. No, I'm only kidding. 45 days from start to publication. That is amazing. How did you do it so quickly?
1: Oh, wow. Um, first of all, it's amazing what happens when they lock you in for this amount of time. Yeah, <laughs> you, gotta, you realize you have a lot more time to do things. Uh, but on a serious note, I think we were both on, on a mission. Um, we we had a lot of expertise, a lot of content, either through other publications or or rolling around in our heads that we were very primed and ready to kind of attack that. So once we, we were able to kind of create the straw man, the framework of what we wanted to say and really defined our audience, um, filling in the buckets just came very easily. And because we had committed to getting this out sooner rather than later, we made the conscious choice that, you know, speed to market was important because people needed answers now, not in six months, not in two years, um, it was much more important for us to be able to provide something that would help. Um, and that's part of the reason why the design, the tone, everything around the book was determined by that factor. You know?
0: uh, I, I was going to ask you how you, divide, how you decided who would write what, but your, your specialties are so different. I guess that was actually a pretty easy thing to do.
1: Yeah, because each one of us kind of contributed from that perspective um, as far as what our areas of expertise were. And then doing the blending was a joint effort. Um, I, I I enjoyed the writing part. So for me, it was a lot easier to kind of connect the dots between our content and everything else. Uh, Ilia was much more of the of, from a bigger picture standpoint. He enjoyed kind of throwing those broad ideas and kind of how to mesh things together. So between the two of us, we kind of uh, I, want, I I don't want to give the misconception that it was absolutely 100% smooth, because whenever you're working with two different minds, there's inevitably going to be some differences creatively. But overall, I think we, we, we put our egos aside, and it was much easier for us to collaborate and kind of get beyond that. It also helps that we've been friends for a number of years. You know, so that's, there's a lot of mutual respect. Uh, for our expertise for each other and a lot of love between us that allowed us to kind of merge those things, which is key and important.
0: Are you in the same town? Did you see each other or was this all by zoom? Uh,
1: Well, the interesting thing is that we did it uh, mostly by zoom. Um, but we are about 10, 15 minutes apart. You know, he's a couple of exits up the freeway from me. So uh, having that kind of proximity in case we needed to get together was helpful as things opened up and closed again. We had opportunities to kind of collaborate. But for the most part, you know, the relationship was strong and already there. So we had a good foundation. Uh, It would have been very difficult if we didn't know each other to get this done in this amount of time.
0: And I assume you're still good friends after the fact.
1: Yes, thank goodness, because, you know, a lot of times they say the best way to lose a friend is to start a business together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, you know, our project, um, uh, our collaboration has, has only reinforced a lot of our friendship and everything else and probably been a huge win for both of us.
0: How did you resolve conflicts?
1: Um, again, I think a lot of it was, um, listening to each other, being open to each other's perspective and inevitably all of the things that came up, some, these were either more important to one or the other. And I think we were willing to give some room, uh, because the overall purpose and mission that we have was much more important than any difference.
0: that mm-hmm. So you're focused on the mission purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you using the book to get business?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. Um, Again, we didn't, we didn't necessarily write the book to generate business. Um, The book was, was a reaction, if you will, to the environment that we found ourselves in, to the need to do something. If anything, it was more of an opportunity for us to kind of uh, heal ourselves or help ourselves and our families. And we were actually going through a lot of these things at the time when we were actually writing the book. So Much of the experiences that we had personally, the things that worked for us or didn't work for us, we've included into the book. We even have stories from our own lives um, during that time and even earlier of how this worked. Now, what we realized is that even though we wrote the book for individuals to help them navigate this crisis or any crisis for them, because sometimes it's going to be a, a pandemic like it is now or a financial uncertainty, and sometimes it's going to be very personal. You know, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, or a change in your life that's massive, that feels like a crisis. The principles that we outline in the book are relevant to anybody at, at any point in time when they need help during to deal with a change. But what we uncovered from that, Dan, surprisingly, is that as we shared the message with our clients, um, many of them came back and said, you know, I need help, not just as an individual, but as a leader. So what ended up happening, even though we wrote it as as an approach to individuals, now we're dealing with companies and with leaders within those institutions, uh, CEOs, um, senior executives that are leading organizations and teams that are now saying, my old playbook doesn't work. What can I do? So the book itself uh, provides much of that, many of the answers that they needed. And what we've done is through our presentations now, through the workshops, through the coaching that we've been doing, and consulting, we've been able to now extrapolate the the relevant pieces uh, that apply now to an organization. Uh, let me give you an example. The first key in our book is self care. Now, self care for you and I might mean the need for us to get up every so often from our desk where we've been we've been tied to working from home, getting outside, getting some fresh air, perhaps how we how we address our physical needs to make sure that we maintain physical health, emotional health, mental health, even spiritual health, and being able to provide some insights from that piece. But self-care to an organization might look something very different. For example, to an organization, it might mean, have you checked your benefits lately of what you're providing to your employees? How are you addressing the needs of a now dispersed workforce? Are you able to cater to those new needs? Because, you know, things are changing how can you address that if we're dealing for example with flexibility which is key number three for us well being flexible in your environment being able to pivot be agile as an individual as things change in your environment is one thing yesterday you were able to go into your office today you're all of a sudden a teacher for your for your 10 year old and now you have to all of a sudden remember what it looks like to do math at that age and you're trying to do that while you're juggling the project that you have to prepare for and everything else. Well, to an organization that might look as an extension of that, something along the lines of how do I measure productivity? I used to judge Dan based on what time he showed up at the office and what time he left. Mm-hmm. Now I may have to look at Dan and say, Dan, are you producing what you need to produce? That's what I care about, because you may have to do that at 10 o'clock at night when the kids are at bed. And I just need to judge based on your productivity rather than how many hours you're spending at your desk.
0: Excellent. I was actually going to ask you, how do you take a personal example and bring other people into it so they see themselves in your example?
1: Um, as far as the, the, the concepts of the book, is that what you're asking? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, again, there's a lot of personal stories. Um, as a parent of, of of a daughter that just turned 18 not too long ago and is part of this 2020 graduating class, she had to deal with a lot of the adversity of all of a sudden being thrust in her senior year into a remote environment, not realizing that the other day was the last time she was actually going to set foot into a school. And now all of a sudden she has to go through this, deal with the angst, the, the the troubles of graduating from that, not knowing if she's going to have, be able to walk out and graduate, receive her certificate or be recognized for all of her work, 12, 13 years of effort and schooling and all of a sudden no closure. Mm-hmm. Well, my daughter could have sat there and felt very sorry for herself. But you know what? She became a navigator and took on a lot of the characteristics of what we described in the book. And I watch her. She not only... Did well and adapted and became flexible to this, took care of herself. But she also graduated with almost a 5.0 perfect score because of all of the added advanced placement classes that she was taking and college level courses that she was taking. So I watched her as she studied for hours on end. And because she has one of those little devices on her wrist, those little Fitbits, it would remind her every hour to get up. Well, she didn't feel sorry for herself, she would just stand up clap her hands and say, dad, it's walk o'clock. And she would get up and walk around the house until that Fitbit silenced and she was ready. She got her steps in and then she would go back, put on her headset and go ahead and do it. And now all of a sudden she's doing her studying. I'm doing my work. My wife's doing her work. And we're all gathered around on our own devices around the dining room table. Well, all of a sudden, that's a very different environment that we're all needing to adapt to and flex with and and look at it. And from a positive standpoint, it brought us closer. From a crazy standpoint, I would just look up sometimes and just smile because we look like a bunch of Eastern European hackers all around the table, <laughs> pounding on our laptops.
0: Yeah. So how do you take a story like that and relate it to your readers so they can see themselves in your story and learn from that?
1: Well, in many ways, we actually included those exact stories in our book to kind of give them that personal sense of what we were dealing with at the time. And I think there' are stories that many of us can relate to and, and through that process. Or some cases, the stories were parables or, you know, metaphorical me- messages. For example, we talk about flexibility and the experience that we've had in coaching executives. Well, we talk about the parable of the palm tree and the oak tree. And in most cases, when I talk to high-powered executive CEOs and coaching them, if I ask them to decide which one they relate to most, an oak tree or a palm tree, most of them will say an oak tree. Because they associate the strength, the virility of the tree, the big, strong branches, the deep roots and everything else. And they, they can see themselves in the size and the, and the strength of that tree. What happens, though, in a crisis, in a, in a storm, in a devastating storm, what ends up happening is that as the rain pours down, saturates the ground, the wind starts blowing and it blows through the branches and starts breaking off limbs. And it might even topple the tree because the immobility and the, and the fixed nature of an oak tree become its weakness in a storm. Whereas the palm tree, even in a category four or five hurricane. It'll bend all the way down literally to the ground. It may lose branches and it may lose leaves. But at the end of the storm, it'll come back up. And if anything, its roots dig even deeper and ready for the next storm. So you look at some of that, 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 that reasoning and people start recognizing what they need to do differently. Because it's not the strong that will survive. It's the adaptable and the flexible.
0: So, you, you did this so quickly. Uh, I assume you self published?
1: Yes. And that was probably the only way we could do that. It would take us at least 45 days to get an answer from an editor, most
0: of the time,
1: <laughs> even if they like your idea.
0: Right. So, tell us uh, what you learned about self publishing, because everyone has horror stories about proofreading, copying, layout design. Uh, what tips would you have for someone who wants to self publish their own book?
1: Well, um, the blessing was that, that Dr. Ely had already done a lot, of, he'd done a, his previous book. Self-published, so he already had a little bit of a lay of the land of what was looking for. Talking with experts like you as well, Dan, kind of illuminated us on a couple of points that we needed to make sure that we were focusing on. I did myself went through one of the workshops that were again illustrating how to go through this process. What are the steps? The important steps that you need to do. So we had a pretty good idea of what the key milestones were. Now, again, our commitment to getting this pro, this this book out within the time frame was driving us so we we looked at that we followed the 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 different milestones that we needed to hit the advice from experts like i said like you or the the experiences that we both had in the past and we went through the process in its simplest form we were able to to produce the manuscript, get it uh, reviewed and edited, make sure that we got that done, formatted by another friend that was involved with that process using the available tools through Kindle and everything else on Amazon and really maximized what was available to us for what we wanted to do you know the creative side of that I went through and I found the right images that we wanted and everything else and then we actually outsourced some of the, the cover pages to a wonderful artist uh, we found through Fiverr and we were able to get a quick turnaround on that and we were able to kind of get to the points that we wanted everything came together in such a, such a powerful way and we were very very fortunate but much of that was the hard work and the preparation that we put in to getting it done as you know, my old favorite saying, luck is what happened when preparation meets opportunity.
0: Definitely. As we close out here, Khan, tell us who your best client is and how they can get in touch with you.
1: Well, my best client is, again, at this point in time, a senior leader of a team of or an organization who's looking for answers, whose old playbook isn't really up to par right now and who's looking for answers on how to really build resilience within his team or her team, and get beyond where we are today to that next normal. Uh, We can provide answers, we can help, and uh, I'm happy to provide either um, a quick consultation to see if it's a good fit. So anybody that, from an operational standpoint, organizational standpoint, is leading things, let us know. Let us help you.
0: Great. And what's your website?
1: My website is
0: freshbizsolutions.com. Great, thanks for being with us today and sharing great information. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle, The only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com, We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.